Welcome to Churches Planting Churches, a podcast on the theology and practice of church planting. I'm your host, Tony Morita. Our church plants are filled with godly women who co-labor with their Christian brothers to proclaim the name of Jesus. They love the Lord and magnify Him in their homes, neighborhoods, and workplaces. As pastors, we're blessed to have them as partners in our gospel endeavors. Our enemy, however, seeks to destroy these women. They are bombarded daily with temptations and pressures of unrealistic expectations. Society beckons them to embrace its ideology of self-love and its propensity for perfectly crafted Instagram stories. It's crucial for our churches to be havens for gospel truth that equip them to resist the lures of temporary joy offered by the world and instead rest in the lasting joy found only through Christ. Many church plants have thriving women's ministries which draw women into a deeper relationship with their Heavenly Father and richer fellowship with one another. We should encourage women's ministry leaders and exhort our fellow brothers to treasure the female theologians among us. With us on the podcast today to help us think through women's ministry in our churches is Jen Oshman. Jen is a wife, mom, writer, and podcaster, and has served as a missionary and pastor's wife for two decades on three continents. Uh, She and her husband, Mark, reside in Colorado. They have four daughters. Mark is the planting pastor, and Jen is the women's ministry coordinator at Redemption Parker Church. Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tony. I loved your opening. So encouraging. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, um, I got your bio right, correct? Uh, you did. F- f- yes. So uh, the the church, just for clarification, is Redemption Parker. Parker is the, the location, is that right? That's right. That's our town. Okay, super, super. So, Jen, you first of all, you, your bio is just remarkable. Uh, when you're a wife a mom, uh, a writer, and a podcaster, and I should tune in, everyone into that podcast called All Things, uh, which is not on the bio, but you should uh, have a look at that, have a listen to that. So, like, how do you do that? How do you and your husband do all of this stuff? What, what are you drinking out there in Colorado? <laughs> well, you know, I have to be totally honest and tell you that there, we're spinning a lot of plates, but those plates fall a lot of the time too. I mean, life is very imperfect and somewhat chaotic in our home. It's just normal life. We, um, we're going to celebrate 21 years tomorrow, and we have always been in ministry together. We got married in the middle of college and seminary, and we've just been working side by side ever since. And I think that's a unique thing. That's just a gift of God. We enjoy working together, and we spur one another on. And it's a joy. I mean, there's chaos, but it's a joy. Amen. Amen. I know that feeling. So talk to us a little bit about your backstory. How You mentioned how you met Mark there for a moment, but take us on the journey. How, how did you get up to this point? Well, I came to faith in Christ as a an eight year eight or nine year old girl. My parents got divorced when I was eight, and my mom started taking us to church. And as I was thinking about that story, just to encourage your listeners to those pastors who are preaching, maybe to the single mom and child in the pews who they're not sure they're connecting with, know that I heard the gospel at that age and received Jesus as my Savior, and I'm so grateful for that gift of grace. But it, both Mark and I grew up in basically non Christian context, um, homes where Christ really wasn't at the center. But I got I did meet him. I know him, and I'm so grateful for the Lord saving me at that young age. Went to college, 
And that's really where the Lord put me on the floor. I mean, He just knocked me on my knees and revealed to me that all that I had been living for was hollow and very self-focused, and that He would give me healing, healing from my parents' divorce, healing from other hurts in my lives, other, other things that were wounded. But He really asked me to surrender myself to Him. And that's where my faith in Christ really took off as I just surrendered to the Lord and um, began to experience what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. So met Mark about that time. Same thing was happening in his life. He's He was the first believer in his family. Um, and now his family actually attends our church. So that's a pretty amazing story. But mm. same thing happening to him. And we both felt called to ministry in that season. And where did you guys meet at? Oh, Tony, don't make me tell you this story. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say we met in Denver when we were okay. both new to the faith and um, still walking in old habits. People always ask, did you guys meet at church? I'm like, no, we met at a club. Next question. <laughs> oh, it's okay. This is Acts 29 podcast. So they get that, get that, they, we don't bat an eye at that. Uh, well, it's true. <laughs> speaking of Acts 29, how does it feel to be a lady on the Acts 29 podcast? It's great. I'm so I'm so glad to be invited. You know, we've been back. We've lived overseas for a number of years. We've been back in the U.S. for four years, and we've been in that network for three. And I have to tell you, probably largely because of the efforts of Kirsten Black in the U.S. West Network, but I have just been so cared for and so ministered to by this network, and I, I'm just grateful and I'm thankful for this opportunity too. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thrilled to see just how ladies are flourishing in Acts 29 churches and want to see it happen more and more. And so grateful to have you on here to talk some about that. Um, what is it like, uh, speaking just in terms of a wife, what's it like being ma- married to a church planter? What, what's your experience been? What are some of the highs and lows? Well, it's definitely been a wild ride since day one. And I mean, that's just kind of walking with the Lord, right? Our lives, when we follow Jesus, and we have to lay our lives down as He asks us to and empowers us to. It just doesn't look the way we plan. So like I said, we married in college and seminary, went to the mission field, moved to Japan right away, spent a long time there. We've got four daughters from that season of life. Then we moved to the Czech Republic. Now we're here in Colorado, and we have been church planters everywhere that we've gone. And so I have to say that it has just required a ton of faith. Um, it's been It's required a lot of flexibility, a sense of adventure, and a true belief that the Lord is going to hold us. All things are by Him and through Him and for Him and to Him, and He's going to take care of us, whatever He brings to pass. And so the number one thing is it just requires faith, flexibility, and adventurous spirit. Talk to us a little bit about Japan and the Czech Republic. What were you guys doing there? So in Japan, Mark pastored a church for American military members who were living there. So uh, um, living a life in Japan, in a Japanese way of life, but ministering to Americans. So a really unique blend. We loved it. Our family thrived. It was just so many gifts of grace in that time. Now, there were definitely hardships being across the Pacific from our normal way of life and our family and our normal support was tricky. We also adopted our fourth child while living there. She is Thai and she was 12 when we brought her home. So just a unique season, but a total gift. And then feeling very burdened by the very um, atheistic country, Czech Republic, had a a drive and a desire to be church planters there in the Czech Republic. Less than one half of 1% of Czechs believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so that drove us to a new adventure, um, and that was a gift as well. And then we came home here to the U.S. So it's just been, yeah, one one country after the other, really. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's excellent. Now, you just wrote a book. This is your first book, uh, Jen? Yes, my first book. Okay, so Jen writes a lot for um, uh, Desiring God, uh, TGC, 
um, and is also a staff writer for Gospel Center Discipleship. So she's obviously not new to writing. Um, but I'm eager to talk about this book, Enough About Me, Finding Lasting Joy in the Age of Self. And so uh, talk to us about it. First of all, it released uh, when? This week. Yeah, I was okay. born a few days ago. And published by Crossway, is that correct? That's right. Okay, I'm glad I got that right. That would have been really bad. Um, <laughs> but uh, obviously a great publisher and uh, says a lot about the book. Tell us about uh, the book and, what, and how this whole journey began. Why did you uh, choose to write on this? And what would be like the thesis? What, what is your argument in the book? Yeah. Well, I really wrote this book out of a burden just for my sisters and an acknowledgement myself that we are living in an age of self, this t- this age that says everything's about self-help, do it yourself, make yourself, be yourself. Very focused on just looking inside, determining who you want to be, you know, creating your identity, and then having to conjure up the energy and the willpower to get there and to be that self-made woman. And just seeing that proclaimed in conferences and books and even Tony, I hate to say it, but even somewhat in the Christian world, in some of our Bible studies and some of the um, things that Christian publishers are putting out there and just feeling this heartache for women, knowing that this message is ultimately just exhausting. As we look to ourselves for everything, we are just missing what the giver of life intended. And that is that we would be abiding with Jesus, that we'd be rooted, built up, established in the gospel, that we would live and walk by grace through faith. There's so much power and so much freedom and lasting joy in that way of living. And so I really, I wrote it with a broken heart and also just, I think, some anger of like, the the world is telling us a false message. And I want, I want to get in there and share with my sisters what is true and remind myself of what is true. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm somewhat familiar with uh, some of these books that are, uh, you know, promoting a a, a vision contrary to yours. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I can't rattle them off the top of my head, but, and I don't want you to necessarily name authors or, or book titles, but what what are some of these messages that are being communicated that, that your book is trying to provide a bit of a corrective on? Well, women who are my age, I'm 41, and so I think a, a decade ahead of me, a couple decades behind me, we have grown up in this setting that has said, you can be anything you want to be. You know, just imagine who that is, reach for the stars, and you can get there. And the reality is, I think a lot of us are here. We're here at 20, 30, 40, 50, and we're finding out that's not actually true. I, it's not true. I can't be anything I want to be. Or maybe we're arriving at the finish line at the goal and going, this is not what I thought it would be. This does not feel as satisfying and as amazing as I told I was told it would feel. And so there's a ton of just discouragement and disillusionment around us, even depression. We're, we're really seeing a mental health and emotional health crisis amongst women right now. There's just huge levels of anxiety, depression, and even suicide is up quite a bit amongst teen girls and women. And so this message is telling women that they are all they need. And we were not created that way. That is just objectively not true. We need our creator and our maker to sustain us, to give us new life, and to help us with each day. And so that's the cry of this book. That's the cry of my heart is that as women, we would not look within. You know, Instagram is telling us this, throw pillows, coffee mugs, t-shirts, concerts, conferences. I mean, we're getting this message in our social media feed all day, every day. And so- Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a megaphone, and I just want to come back with a response that it's not actually true. Mm, so good, so good. Talk to us about the flow of the book. Um, you um, not necessarily chapter by chapter, but sure. um, kind of how, how does the, how is the book arranged, and and how do you take the listeners on that journey? Yeah, well, I listeners, really try I mean, to readers, just kind sorry. of. 
Right. I try to kind of go back and forth between like, this is what the culture's saying. This is what you're seeing in your Instagram feed. Maybe even in that Bible study that's on your nightstand, here's this message of self that is coming through and it's coming through in a very savvy way because you know, who doesn't want to be self-reliant? Who doesn't want to sort of worship themselves? We all want, we all think we're great. We all want to rely on ourselves. So it's a savvy message. So I try to contrast it with really the startling and stark and countercultural words of Jesus who says, if you, you need to lay your life down, if you want to find your life, lay your life down, hide your life in mine, die to yourself, carry your cross and follow me. That's where lasting joy is. So in the book, you know, I try to write in a tone that is relatable and conversational because this is a struggle I have with myself on a daily basis still laying down my life and, and walking with Jesus rather than walking for my own glory and comfort mm-hmm. and ease. I try to just kind of go back and forth because the message is so, we're so saturated with it that I think it's hard to see. And I just want to keep pointing that out, that this is what it's saying. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you have a burden for the ladies, but this is obviously a message for dudes also. Um, I'm just thinking just uh, how social media uh, promotes the the self-centeredness, uh, right. uh, you know, idol that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't read the book, Jen. Uh, I hope you will send me a book or, um, I shall buy a book, but I'm looking Consider forward to done. reading it and, and sending it to our uh, folks in our women's ministry at IDC. Um, it looks like, uh, Jen Wilkin has written the forward to it. So, um, yes. Jen's a baller as well. Um, just saw her, uh, previously this week. So I'm excited that, uh, ladies like you are writing, uh, gospel centered, gospel driven content. Uh, we all need to hear it. So. Uh, well done. How do you feel yeah, about see, seeing a book? Like you're whole, you've held it in your hands now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty surreal. I mean, this whole thing has been a, bit, a little bit unexpected. Didn't necessarily see this journey coming. Like I said, that's walking with Jesus. That's what will happen. Um, but it is a privilege. And of course, I'm struggling You know, a little bit with the fear of man. Like, oh gosh, did I say it right? Did I say anything stupid? Yeah, what are people yeah. going to think? But um, really, I'm just trusting in the Lord and trying to do what my book says and what Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus and trust uh-huh. Him with the, with this and everything else. Yeah, I remember I wrote my first book and I got it in my hands and I didn't want to read it because it's like out there <laughs> right. permanently and I felt so exposed, you know, I can't yes. hide anything. It's all out there. Um, yes. I didn't want to read any, any reviews or any comments. I'm just like, leave me alone, guys. I've just said it. Now I'm, I'm going to play basketball, you know. I can relate a hundred percent. Well, just know I'm cheering you on. Okay, uh, I haven't read. I'm sure it's great. If there's heresy, I'll 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 let you know. But but I doubt <laughs> okay, there's anything good. like that. Um, Perfect. Yeah. So what do you do? We have a lot of people listening to this podcast who are obviously church planning podcasts, church planters, pastors, preachers. But uh, within the Acts 29 tribe in particular, it's a theologically driven uh, group of guys and uh, group of ladies, and we just love content. We love books. I mean, we're talking about a book right here. Um, and so there's always an interest and always a question about how do you find time to do X, Y, and Z uh, mm. on this podcast. Rhythms and time management are very practical issues that always uh, surface. So in your own journey, four daughters, uh, wife, uh, women's ministry, how did you find time to write this book? What were your writing rhythms like and how long did it take? Well, I have to tell you, it was not pretty. I wrote this book at the kitchen table with the earbuds in whenever I could grab some time to do it. I think what the blessing was that I just had a burning desire to say what I wanted to say. And so that drove me. And then I, I was seeing the shrapnel of the age of self in my real life on the daily basis. And so 
that's what really drove me. And I just had to say, you know, and my kids are older, you know, they're 12 now. They were, the youngest was 12 or 11 when I turned in the manuscript. And so there was some freedom there. They could heat up a frozen pizza and we could move on. And that, that was good. I couldn't have done this when they were toddlers. And the Lord was growing me, you know, I mean, there's almost two decades of ministry underneath this book. And it took that time for me to be in women's ministry and be in relationship with women and be in the word and know the character of God. But I can't say that I have any great rhythms to share, except I did wake up really early a lot of the time. And I did put in the earbuds and drank the coffee and prayed for Jesus to help me and just sat down at that kitchen table and got it written. Mm. Yeah. Amen. That's real talk right there. I know that I know that feeling. Hey, let's transition for a bit and talk about um, how pastors and um, can help women, especially in this area. Um, just what challenges are are women in general facing? Um, what what advice would you give us who are pastoring um, uh, ladies in the church today? That's a great question. I when I got these questions ahead of time, so I actually sent out a bunch of texts earlier this week and said, "Hey, what do you guys think? What are your challenges? What are the concerns?" You know, one of your questions was, "If you're if what would your what would you want your pastor to know?" And so these were really insightful for me. I appreciate just the process of getting ready for this podcast and digging and asking. But some there were some themes as I texted. You know, a, about a dozen women. There were some themes that came back that I thought were really interesting. Um, one from the married women was just this heartfelt desire that their husbands would be discipled. You know, women's ministry is so unique and it's such a treasure. I don't know how it is in the rest of the country. I can only speak to Colorado. But in Colorado, it feels like there's a little bit more flexibility for women to be invested in ministry, whereas the men are working, traveling. We're in a suburb. You know, affluence is a problem here. Um and so there, there's just a lot of work, you know, men are working long hours and women can be maybe more involved. And so that was interesting to me that that was sort of unveiled that I wish my husband was discipled better, or I wish my husband was growing more in the Lord. You know, the women saying my faith would grow if my husband's faith would grow. And so I'm not sure what to say to pastors about that, but to know that that, that is a burden, I think of women in the church and then single women feeling like, maybe a bit unseen or not invited to the table as much or just inadvertently. And I I know, I think it's by accident, but just maybe this focus on families and parenthood that leaves our single friends feeling like, you know, these messages aren't for them or these contexts aren't for them. And so I guess in both, you know, both areas, just inviting the insight as you are on this podcast, inviting the insight of women asking them what's going on, asking them their view and for their input. Um, If pastors would simply take the time, I think, to draw out the women in their congregations and ask them, Mm -hmm. what are your burdens and how can we serve you? I think that Mm -hmm. would be tremendously helpful in any church congregation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. I know in my pastoral prayer time, I I wrote this recently on a blog, like I I try to pray for singles every week. And it's uh, it's amazing how many uh, responses I get to that. And it's not long. I mean, it's I'm praying through the various ages and stages of people in our church. So it includes marrieds, it includes widows, it includes teenagers, etc. And uh, we've also had, you know, singles live with us as we do now. We've had a house mm-hmm. guest for the last, I don't know how many years. And um, that also helps to be aware that uh, there are uh, single adults um, that hear messages differently. They um, have various uh, issues going on in their life, the uh, grief and, and uh, struggles that we need to know about. And if pastors, I think, are not um, in conversation um, and in relationship uh, in a healthy way with uh, singles in the church, 
the church can feel like you know like the default application is for married people and and families um so i think whatever we can do to listen and and include that uh you know application uh you know the better better off we are i don't know how what mark does but i also send my sermon out to various groups in our church including uh a handful of women ahead of time i get feedback um that includes single women also includes my wife who for years now has been editing my sermons do you do that for mark too Yes, I mean not not specifically editing, but um, we the the whole family is discussing that sermon pretty much all week, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. he he's practicing it and sharing it with us, and he you know he meets with a handful of men, and yeah, we, a lot of people are hearing it before Sunday morning. But I, I like your idea of you know really sending it out to specific different populations. That's good. Yeah, editing might be a strong word. I, Kimberly's not editing my sermon, I should say, but she she will um, you know temper me at times. Yeah, she's or previewing say, it. Yeah, you you should consider this. But I, we yeah. too uh, on Wednesday night or some night during the week, I'm usually reading the text to, to the family at the table. Yep. and we have a we have a conversation. And uh, this past this week, right now, we're we're do, good uh, going through Ecclesiastes. And okay. uh, at the end of chapter seven, there's this, you know, very interesting statement that uh, the writer makes that he's talking about righteousness and he's only found one righteous man out of a thousand, but he's never found one righteous woman. Uh, and so <laughs> oh. I was like, listen to this, listen to this, guys, just wait for it. It's the last verse in a chapter and I want to hear your reaction to it. And so uh, when I finished reading it, the, the look on everybody's face was amazing but my son joshua who's adopted from ethiopia his look was priceless uh, okay. and i was like i wish i could just get your face and put it on the screen you know while i'm preaching um, see this is why the- we need the whole counsel of god this is why <laughs> all of scripture is so important to interpret scripture yeah. with scripture right <laughs> that's right and you know Solomon is not one to be judging, you know, character, right? He's right. got all these wives and concubines, <laughs> so he's probably looked in the wrong place for a righteous woman. I'm um, definitely going to be tuning into your church's <laughs> sermon this weekend. I will be listening to that podcast for sure. Yeah, I'm trying not to emphasize that verse too much. Um, <laughs> That's but, good. Uh, yeah. Hey, um, uh, women's ministry, uh, local church, you've, you've mentioned that, um, yeah, you know, it's not uncommon to have women's ministries in churches, but what concerns you about some women's ministries in churches? I think there's really a path that has a ditch on each side when it comes to women's ministry, what I see generally speaking. On one side, you've got women's ministry that is really feelings focused, that is that looks at the population of women at the church and says, how can we minister to these women? Which is a good question, but what I, the ditch on that side is far more emotive and maybe um, lacks substance. It's It can tend towards being more like a coffee hour where we share our struggles, maybe even participate in some gossip on accident or on purpose. I mean, it's just, it's, it's feelings-based and lacks theological substance, lacks prayer time. Um, it's just more, it's more feelings and discussion-based. I feel like that is one ditch. On the other side of the road, I feel like there's another ditch where maybe church leaders are so concerned about women's ministry falling into error or women not being up to the task of opening the word alone without their pastor or whatever. And so the the women in that congregation are more stifled or just given not given the resources and the freedom and the cheering on that is needed for women's ministry. And so women's ministry is not really happening in that context because the women are afraid or intimidated of doing 
the wrong thing. So I feel like those are two ditches that are on two different extremes, but they both exist. And I think even in Acts 29, they might exist, you know, not, not to the extremes that I've described them, but maybe we can easily err, you know, even on a given week, anybody can err on one ditch or the other. And so those are, those are my primary concerns is those two sides of the spectrum. No, that's excellent. So what, what does it look like at your church? What does women's ministry at Redemption Parker look like? Sure. Uh, we just celebrated our third birthday. So we're not, you know, we're a smaller church, not a lot of, and we've purposed to not be very program heavy, um, given our cultural context here in Colorado. Programs just aren't, are probably not a good idea. Um, so women's ministry, we've got, you know, these normal things called gospel communities. You might call them small groups or whatever. Um, and we have those for everybody, both genders. Inside those, we have something called core groups. Those are more like discipleship and accountability groups. And those are single gender. So women's ministry is kind of in addition to that. We would say, you know, if you have to pick, we'd love for you to go to a gospel community and a core group primarily if you only have time for one. But if you've got this extra time, or maybe your husband's not a believer, or maybe you want to bring your friend or your neighbor to a context that's only for women, where women can be studying the Word together in a unique way, then we invite them clearly to women's Bible study. We've got one during the day and one at night in an effort and hope to meet the needs of women who are available at different times a day. Um, and we just we basically go two months on, one month off. And during those two months, we're in the Word. We're, we're, we're doing a, a study that maybe somebody in our as a member who's been trained and identified as having some teaching gifts is leading women through the word, or we might use a resource like by Jen Wilkin or Nancy Guthrie or something like that, but two months of Bible study and then one month off. And in that month off, we try to just encourage um, ladies to get together. We have events to kind of draw in new people, but um, the desire is that we would be, there would be a depth and a breadth of ministry amongst women, meaning that we would be going deeply in the word, but also broadly across different needs and different levels of maturity and even reaching out to our non-believing sisters. Um, one other thing that I just wanted to mention, because it's just been a huge blessing to me, is this school year, we've been following the school year schedule. Mark's had a men's leadership cohort, and I've had a women's leadership cohort. And these are not elders um, by any means, but it's it's people who are already leading in some way in our community. Maybe they host the gospel community, maybe they're leading in youth ministry, or they're doing something on Sundays, or in some way they're leaders. Well, we just bring them together once a month separately. I meet with the women, he meets with the men. And we're usually reading some kind of book that helps us, some kind of resource that helps us process a theological issue. But then we're just sitting around the table and thinking through what are the real needs in our community? What are the theological needs, the felt needs? Where what are we missing? What are our blind spots? And having those 10 other women around the table with me has just been so eye-opening and so helpful. And my desire is to equip them and encourage them, send them to trainings, do whatever I need to do so that they can be doing women's ministry in their homes and in their own communities as often as they feel led. That's good. Uh, you know, one of, one of the concerns I've had through the years is not just with women's ministry, it's with any ministry in the church. Um, is trying to ensure that there's alignment within the church, right, from kind of uh, pastoral vision and leadership and that we have no ministry kind of running off by itself. Mm. Um, and um, I, I know from what you've just said and from your own your own story and, and background, you, you guys work in tandem, but you, you and, and your husband. Um, but what can ladies do to, to ensure that um, there's there's not this kind of maverick ministry running off by the by its side, but we can, you know, you guys can do application uh, in the lives of women to you know what the church is, is talking about at a at a bigger level. Mm-hmm. That's 
a great question. You know, I do think there is a there can be a distance between women women's ministry and the pastor and the elders. And that can be for a number of reasons, but that distance any that distance is not good. We need to seek to be coming together as you said in alignment and unified. And so my encouragement to any woman who's leading women's ministry is to be conversing with your elders. Ask them for time. Be meet with them. Show them what you're going to go over for the year and don't be satisfied with just a like, "Oh yeah, yeah, whatever you guys are doing is fine." You know, I would say mm-hmm prayerfully and kindly press your pastor just to be more involved and aware of what it is that you're teaching because submitting to that God-ordained authority of our pastors and our elders is so good. We will be blessed with that involvement from our pastors. Now, the other side of that coin and something that actually came up when I asked a number of women, what would you want your pastor to know? Um, A number of ladies had said, well, their experience in various churches over the years has made them feel like perhaps their pastors are threatened by women who want to teach nah. and lead. <laughs> so um, there's, they wanted me to say, you know, I, I want pastors to know we don't want the pulpit. We don't want to be mm-hmm. leading in some big way. We yeah. just want to know the word of God and yeah, we want yeah. to be equipped to teach mm-hmm. the word of God in the context that God ordains and gives us to teach and lead. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's a two-sided coin. A women, yeah, yeah. go to go to your pastors, get your elders on board, but pastors mm-hmm. and elders, invite the women in and don't be threatened mm-hmm. by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. So if ladies out there are wanting to start a, a book study on some particular book out there today, uh, other than your own book, uh, Jen, uh, would there be uh, two or three uh, other kind of go-to books perhaps that have been helpful in your own women's ministry? Yeah, I think, you know, I've already mentioned Jen Wilkin and Nancy Guthrie. I mean, those are two names that I I always am throwing out because those are women who are just exegeting the word so well and communicating it in a way that any woman on the maturity spectrum can relate to, I think. The woman who comes to women's Bible study who's not a believer and the woman who's been walking with the Lord for decades is going to learn from Jen Wilkin and Nancy Guthrie. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I always want to say them. I, I love apologetics, and I love studying culture. I love understanding where theology meets anthropology. And so, women that I'm reading who are doing that well are like Elisa Childers, Rebecca McLaughlin, Nancy Piercy, Jackie Hill Perry. Those are some go-tos of mine for when I want to understand what's going on in culture through a theological lens. Those are the women I go to. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the Avengers you just listed off there. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> wonder, wonder Women. Uh it's a new conference. Uh, Jen Oshman, uh, author of Enough About Me, Finding Lasting Joy in the Age of Self. Also check out her podcast called All Things. Uh, Jen, uh, real quick, just tell us about the podcast and how can people listen to it? Sure. Well, All Things is on iTunes, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. It's on most places. You can find it on my website, jenoshman.com. But it's really, I do on that podcast what I just said my passion is, and that is where theology meets anthropology, where the Bible meets culture, and trying to look at cultural events through a biblical lens. Hmm. Jen, thanks so much for being on the podcast. We hold you in the highest regard. Grateful for your labor, your example, and uh, pray nothing but the Lord's best. And uh, may His grace continue to shine upon you and Mark and your church. Thank you, Tony. This has been really encouraging to me. Thanks so much. You're welcome.